Welcome to Wigo's Informal Economy Podcast, Social Protection. In this monthly podcast, we will discuss some of the most pressing issues related to the linkages between informal economy and social protection, including debates around workers' health provision, pension schemes for older workers, as well as childcare systems and other social protection policies for informal workers in order to improve their livelihoods. On April 7th, we celebrated the World Health Day. In order to mark this date, this episode will discuss a very important issue, occupational health and safety. Health and safety measures at work play an important role on workers' quality of life and their capacity of having a steady and sustainable livelihood, and this is even more crucial for informal workers often left out of regulations that assure them a safe work environment. It was thinking about these questions that the Cuidar project came about, seeking to understand the challenges way speakers face in Brazil, Sonia Diaz and Ana Carolina Ogando undertook an empirical qualitative research action project for two years at way speakers cooperatives. Ana and Sonia are here now with us to talk about the Quidar project. Sonia Diaz is a sociologist by training and holds a PhD in political science at the Federal University of Belo Horizonte in Brazil and is currently Wigo's waste specialist. Ana Carolina is Wigo's research associate and also holds a PhD in political science at the same university. Ana and Sonia, welcome to the Informal Economy podcast, Social Protection. Thank you, Cyrus, for the invitation. It's a pleasure to contribute to the podcast. So let's jump right into it. Could you briefly summarize the project and tell us something about what were you trying to achieve? Well, uh, the issue uh, regarding health, uh, it's an issue that way speakers uh, tend to to neglect, not because they they are not concerned about it, but because of the immediate and urgent need to address uh, the issues of livelihoods in terms of having access to recyclables. Uh, this uh, leads way speakers to, in a way, ignore some of the risks that they face in their occupation. And during a process that we carried out many years ago uh, in Brazil in the Gender and Waste Project, issues regarding health and well-being started to be discussed in that context with the women that participated in this Gender and Waste Project. And later on, we started to participate in some workshops with the networks of cooperatives that we worked with in Brazil. And this issue came about in a more consistent and organized way. And we realized that that was a moment that we could start addressing uh, the numerous health risks that uh, way speakers face. In our case, in the context of cooperatives. I want to stress that the project was, was undertaken with the idea of beginning to collectively systematize the information with the waste pickers. So we wanted with the waste pickers to raise the visibility of their main health concerns at the moment. What are their concerns regarding the workplace conditions? What are their concerns regarding the infrastructure? What is their perception of the main concerns? But also to highlight some of the strategies that they've been using to cope 
with some of these difficulties as well. And so we involved an interdisciplinary team that together with us and the waste pickers decided on what would be the initial way to start out the mappings and conversations. So overall, we were really trying to create a safe space to discuss and map out the waste pickers' health concerns and coping strategies. Could you tell us more about the work routine these workers have? We have a kind of work specialization depending on the city we uh, the work is working on. So you might have a street waste picker that reclaims recyclables from mixed waste and take it to the sorting center. Or you have motorized waste pickers, those who may do the collection with vehicles because some cooperatives they own their own vehicles. We may have a sorter. This is the worker that it's actually a sorting recyclables by type. Okay, these recyclables taken either from containers or from the collection done, uh, be it with pushcart or with motorized vehicles. And we also have operational workers inside this cooperative. These are members who process the sorted recyclables by waving the recycling, baling recycling, shredding uh, recycling, and some other operational activities. So we have different types of work, and we, in our research, we try to map out what are the health risks by types, and how these workers relate to recyclables or to the work activity, a specific work activity that is done. And this is one main feature of uh, the work that we carried out. I think Sonia, Sonia is very clear in, in highlighting how we wanted to really understand the particularities of each activity involved in recycling. So we were paying quite a lot of attention to these different roles and the constraints on their bodies regarding the work that they carry out for 10 hours a day or more in certain cases, and the overall just constraints on their bodies, health risks, and how they deal both individually and collectively to ease some of these constraints on their own bodies. In addition to this kind of uh, work specialization, I think it's, it's worth adding that we were also uh, concerned about health risks and the stress of the kind of work that the leaders do because they do coordination, they do administrative work. So we not only looked the work specialization in terms of the kind of physical work that is done, but we also were concerned about the specific role and the specific work that leaders do, because besides doing this uh, separation and collection, leaders do a very specific work, which is to coordinate the cooperative and a lot of administrative stuff. So what I'm trying to say is we looked at the base of the cooperative and we also looked at leadership roles. So let's talk about the findings. So which were the main work-related health issues pointed by the way speakers? I think there were several key findings from the project, but one that we would like to highlight was that waste pickers have a very comprehensive understanding of what 
a good worker's health entails. So their focus was often not just on targeting physical problems and risks that they face, but really trying to understand the other dimensions of health for them, which includes good nutrition, well-being, positive health relations, hygienic workspaces. So all of this was part of their own perception of what it entails to have good workers' health. I think if we break it down by the key findings from the participatory mapping that we did related to their work routines and workspaces, the first key finding would be also that a lack of adequate infrastructure and equipments can exacerbate their heavy work routines and processes. And linked to this is clearly their concern with often unorganized or improvised workspaces that also lead to even further ergonomic problems. And then this is also linked to the fact that there are many interpersonal relations, problems with interpersonal relations in the cooperatives due to some of these often improvised and unorganized work routines. So there was a clear emphasis on how interpersonal relations are central to providing more efficient and productive work routines, but also a healthier and stronger work environment for the waste pickers who spend many hours in the cooperatives. I think another key finding for us was really looking again at the specific activities carried out in, in the cooperatives and how these lead to specific body pains and emotional stress. So we looked at that and that was a very good breakdown that we had for the workers and validated by them when they realized that this breakdown, not only by activity, but by gender, was really a reflection of what happens in their day-to-day -day life. Another key finding was a concern with non-communicable diseases, such as diabetes and hypertension. This was a finding that came out strongly in all the activities um, across all ages, and particularly with women waste pickers in our activities. And again, I want to emphasize that for the waste pickers, whenever we talked about health concerns and risks, they would always touch upon the idea of emotional well-being as a key concern and essential for their overall health. So I think these are some of the key findings that we had linking the idea of how infrastructure, equipment, work routines, and work relations all influence the waste picker's health at the end of the day. Which are the main challenges waste pickers face in terms of health and safety at work? And how do workers you have surveyed usually address these issues? Well, I think some of the challenges that relate to infrastructure, as Anna had uh, said earlier, it's crucial because what happens is, even in the context of uh, uh, Brazil, in which a lot of resources has been addressing issues of integration of waste pickers, what happens is that infrastructure is still something that it's improvised because you hardly have a, a sorting a place that really addresses all the needs for the work that waste pickers do. Problems with ventilation is an issue. Some waste pickers, they uh, may have to do sorting in improvised ways. And the issue of the production of the space, how waste 
is organized inside this space, all of these issues add, you know, a layer of vulnerability uh, to the way speakers. So this is one challenge, address infrastructure is key. The other thing is that we still need to take into consideration that capacity building for literacy, capacity building for safety issues is fundamental. So infrastructure and capacity building for uh, dealing with the health risks, they are the two key challenges. What is the role of workers' organizations and leadership in addressing these issues? I think internally in cooperatives, there's a great concern for acting more collectively and proactively to prevent health risks and problems. And because there is a need to continue to sustain their livelihoods, especially in moments of crises, sometimes they they leave aside their health concerns. And so there's a great, great interest of many waste picker leaders to really call attention in the cooperatives to think, you know, in the short term and medium term, what they can do as workers together to improve some of these health concerns. Organizations is what really is fundamental if you want to address poverty, uh, poverty reduction. And the research that we have done in the past, be it the IMS and other research, has shown that there is a strong relationship between the existence of workers' organization and well-being. And in addition to that, then you have the role of the leaders to really address the issue of health. We really need to tackle capacity building for those in leadership position so that they can open their eyes about how relevant health issues in terms of sustaining the work race speakers do. Anna? I think I'd like to, to pick up on something that Sonia just left off on, which is referring to the leader's role in promoting decent work in the cooperatives. Again, all leaders emphasized how important this discussion was because they understand the cooperatives as a safe place and haven for many of their members. They understand also that beyond the occupational health risks that the waste pickers face due to their daily work routines, they're also dealing with socioeconomic vulnerabilities, gender-based violence, and this creates another burden on their lives, both physically and emotionally. And so what the leaders have been trying to do is promote healthier work environments by strengthening each member, by strengthening the collectivity again inside the cooperatives. So for them, again, it was touching upon health as a beginning to address several other issues that affect workers' productivity because they're coming into these workspaces confronting harsh realities. So the leaders play a very important role in strengthening the workers, in emotionally building them up when they're, when they're dealing with, with hardships. They also play a role in, in providing access to information. So the leaders really want workers to start paying closer attention to their health 
not just in critical moments, but on a day-to-day basis. This is, for me, one of uh, the most incredible results of uh, Quidar, is to have the broad membership actually engage in talking about what health means for them and to talk about what the cooperative means in terms of creating the environment that enables, in a way, better health conditions. It's a tough work. The conditions are harsh. But they realized that if they were alone, if they were not part of a cooperative, that it would be more difficult. So that's interesting that you mentioned that. That that was going to be my next question, Sonia, precisely about cooperatives. How does this, this type of organization play a role to improve workers' health and safety? I think there is a social function that cooperatives play, which is very important. Cooperatives tend to include women and other vulnerable groups, like old people or people with disability. The cooperative environment allows some indirect benefits that, in a way, make up for the economic disadvantage or other kind of disadvantages that way speakers suffer. Because, as I mentioned before, you know, working with waste, even in the cooperative environment, is, is tough. Okay, but if you compare uh, working with waste within a cooperative especially a cooperative that has a recycling warehouse. This means that the workers have better working conditions, okay, uh, as compared to working in an open dump or as compared to working, uh, collecting and doing sorting in the streets. In the case of the cooperatives that we have worked with, you know, some of them uh, have offered programs that support schooling of children, And all of these indirect kind of benefits, it's very relevant. And if I may add the research, you know, some findings from the ILO WIGO cooperative research, it was a joint effort between ILO Co-op and WIGO. I think the findings, uh, Cuidar findings, agrees with the findings of the ILO WIGO Co-op research because it speaks about how cooperative help in terms of voice and recognition of workers because it helps them to fight uh, stigma, to fight marginalization because they learn how to negotiate, they learn how to create alliances, they uh, learn how to mobilize themselves, you know, to voice their demands. And also cooperatives, help in terms of economies of scale because through the cooperatives they are workers are able to negotiate with big uh, waste generators and they are able to negotiate with these uh, buyers negotiate with NGOs with foundations with government agencies so there are a number of uh, benefits that cooperatives bring to workers. To conclude, let's talk about the lessons learned. What role does the state should play when it comes to the issue of workers' health and safety? Which policies have you found that might improve the work 
and quality of life of these workers. Okay, I think what we found in terms of being able to improve the work and life quality of waste pickers was also linked to one of the key areas that we were trying to map out, which is workers' perceptions on access to and quality of public health services. And one of the key recommendations that the waste pickers brought forth is the need to raise the visibility and sensitivity of all health professionals regarding the risks that waste pickers face. I think while in Brazil there is access to health care, public health care services, there was still a concern with the attention that they receive when they arrive at community public health centers with long referrals. And so there is a concern with regard to the ways that they are treated by multiple health professionals. I think a second point is having access not only to public health services, but quality public health services, especially near their workplaces and with opening hours that attend to their work needs and realities so that they don't avoid taking care of their health because they're afraid of losing their earnings. So this was something that was very important and raised numerous times during, during the project. I think another important aspect involving state um, actors and also civil society actors is having easy access to information and whether that's on campaigns for vaccination, for tetanus, hepatitis B, yellow fever, but it also involves having more information and access to healthy nutritional practices, to ergonomic practices, and that involves also relating and strengthening alliances not only with state actors, civil society actors, but also research institutions. And I think, again, it's really just thinking through how multiple actors beyond the state can support waste pickers in receiving more training on adequate, durable, and comfortable equipments, how to improve their work routines, training on ergonomic exercises. This was all part of their, their understanding and a need for more capacity building involving multiple actors. One key fundamental thing is that we have better source segregation of recyclables. And in terms of policy recommendation for that, uh, we really need governments addressing environmental education in a more process-like way. Instead of one and off environmental education campaign, we need continuous education so that citizens can learn how to segregate their recyclables appropriately. Because people, even in their households, they treat themselves. So in a household domestic waste, you may find needles. This is such a risk for the waste pickers. And we may find organic matter mixed with recyclables. So for waste pickers, one of the key demands that they have is that source segregation is done appropriately. And for that, we need to educate the citizens. And this is the role that governments have. 
This is very important. Anna and Sonia, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So if you liked this episode and want to learn more about social protection and informal economy, please subscribe to the Informal Economy podcast, Social Protection. And if you want to learn more about the Quidar project specifically and waste speakers and occupational health and safety for informal workers, we will leave some links and references on the description of the episode. This episode about occupational health and safety and waste speakers treating about the case of uh, waste speakers in Brazil is also going to be available in Portuguese. In this bonus episode, we are going to have some testimonies uh, from waste speakers themselves. So if you are Portuguese speakers or can understand some Portuguese, you are most welcome to listen and this time with some fresh testimonies from waste speakers. I am Sirius Afshar, and this was the Informal Economy Podcast, Social Protection. See you next month.